welcome to episode 11 of the TLDR podcast. Uh, quite a crazy week we had uh, with sports. Um, a lot of stuff going on socially with protests and all that. Um, so we're going to kind of kick off the, the episode kind of starting with that. Uh, we want to kind of get into it and kind of give you guys our thoughts on everything that's been going on. Um, obviously, uh, these social justice protests happened. We missed a few days of sports. Um, this was after the police shooting of uh, Jacob Blake. Um, and obviously, there's been a lot of other situations that happened before that and for a long time throughout our history. And I think sports, especially in this pandemic, has been taking kind of a forefront of kind of the movement and all that stuff going um, along with that. I think it's really important for us to kind of talk about it and open it up. So um, I'm gonna kind of go around uh, and kind of discuss kind of each sport and each individual person on this podcast, kind of their own, their own experiences and kind of whatever they want to talk about in terms of what they've learned through this whole process the, the, the last few months, um, if they have any experience themselves dealing with any kind of racial in, injustice or anything like that. Um, so James, I kind of want to start with you. Um, you, you. You mentioned the WNBA and how they've been a forefront of this whole thing uh, with me when we were hanging out on Saturday. And I thought that was a really good point that you made. And um, they had dedicated their 2020 season before to uh, black women uh, abused or um, killed by police in this country um, with the Say Her Name campaign. Obviously, Breonna Taylor being the forefront of that. Um, they, along with the NBA, postpone their games Wednesday and Thursday. Um, they are a, a big part of this. I think been the forefront for a long time. I, they, they don't get a lot of attention because it's the, the WNBA, but I think that they are really doing a great job of um, kind of spreading their message and making sure that they get the best social justice as, as possible. So James, just kind of give your thoughts on that and um, any thoughts you have on, like I, like I mentioned, kind of your experiences or anything that you've learned throughout this, this whole racial injustice uh, movement. Okay, so WNBA, like Tyler mentioned, not not a lot of people watch it, and I think you really should. Like, these women are doing some fantastic things. They're being really proactive throughout the community. Um, the season started July 25th, and so this is well after the Black Lives Matter movement and all this, all this stuff came up. And so they literally dedicated their entire season to this. Like, there's – the only way they would is if – the entire season was dedicated to that. And they had multiple players who still opted out anyway. So they could do stuff outside of the bubble because they have to be in a bubble, obviously. But they had people who stayed out, like Natasha Cloud, the Washington Mystics, and Renee Montgomery from the Atlanta Dream. They're sitting out so they can further racial justice efforts outside of the bubble. That's super honorable. They're not getting paid for this right now. They're just doing what they think is right. And one of the biggest storylines, and it's like happened probably this last week or so, but the Atlanta Dream, I don't know if you guys know this, but their co-owner is Senator Kelly Loeffler, and she is against Black Lives Matter. Like, she, she goes out and tells the media she doesn't agree with Black Lives Matter. And so what the players are doing now, especially from the Atlanta Dream and high-profile players in the NBA, they're wearing a shirt that says, Vote Warnock. And War um, Dr. Raphael Warnock is who's running against Senator Kelly Loeffler right now. And it's crazy because these Atlanta Dream players, this is literally their job on the line, and their, their, their co-owner can live literally cut their paycheck, but they don't care. It's the right thing. Ethics over money right now. And the, the WNBA is doing a really good job. Um, in terms of personal experience, I'm the only person of color in this podcast. I'm Filipino. Um, so I'm, I don't get the same like mistreatment as African-Americans do, as the black community does. But it's still not, I still don't get the same treatment as you guys. Like you and I could be walking down the street 
I'm talking to everybody in this podcast, but we could be walking down the street. People don't say hi to me. People ignore me. They say hi to you guys. And I say that all the time. I go running in my cowork every single morning and she, everybody says hi to her every single morning. Nobody says, says hi to me. They're afraid of me. They, people don't look at me and it's okay. I grew up in Napa, California, a predominantly white area of California, the United States. <laughs> it's just something you do it, man. Like I, I, people make jokes all the time and it is what it is. It's something you got to deal with and it sucks, but that's life. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, James. Um, I also want to talk about uh, other sports that did a lot of good uh, protests, uh, Major League Baseball. Um, they had games postponed on Wednesday and Friday as well, on Wednesday and Thursday as well. Um, a lot of, this was more of a, you know, specific player kind of driven protest. There was a lot of kind of, um, it was, I guess, in the wrong, in the weird word, like kind of chaotic in terms of the protest. It wasn't quite as united as I think you saw the WNBA and the NBA were a lot of that was because they're not sharing a bubble like those teams are so they're not able to kind of all meet and all agree on what to do um but the, you did see a lot of um teams not playing and kind of um supporting their uh black teammates or you know just the black community uh, um as a whole um also jackie robinson day was on friday um so it was pretty crazy timing with all that um so that's just another time to reflect on all those kind of things alex like Jackie Robinson Day kind of being moved to August this year. Um, kind of what are your thoughts on like any time, you know, Jackie Robinson Day is, um, comes around, like I said, like in your, your own personal experiences with um, all this. Yeah. You know, um, being a Dodgers fan, Jackie Robinson Day is always extra special for us. I feel like because obviously Jackie played for the Dodgers, um, you know, his family's still involved with the team. Um, it's been crazy. Yeah. To kind of go off of James too, like, I got to give a shout out to Maya Moore. Like she didn't play um, for a couple of years to like promote social justice, like before Black Lives Matter started, like this whole social injustice movement started. So, um, and like, you know, I've been doing the NBA segments lately and the NBA has done an amazing job. Um, you know, they got together, the Bucks kind of started it with their, um, with their protest, I guess they weren't going to play. And then the other teams followed, um, and I think they've done a great job. And I think the NBA has done a great job of supporting the WNBA because to be completely honest, like the women have done vocal, they've done a much better job. Just unfortunately their platform is not as widespread as what the men get. Um, and the men are supporting them. And I think that's awesome. Um, on my side, obviously um, I can't relate being a white male, but, and I grew up in a very small predominantly white town in California um, but one of my best friends growing up is black and, you know, they were looking back on it now, like they were definitely instances where as a kid, I didn't even think about it, but I'm, but for him, they were whole different reactions to, you know, interactions with police officers or just interactions. Like you were saying, James, just walking down the street where we did get treated totally differently. Um, and, you know, for, uh, for being a white person, I think the best thing that we can do is just try to listen and to help and to relate as much as possible. We're never going to understand. It's never going to be something we completely understand. But if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and have those difficult conversations with your friends of color, that's really all you can, what you can do to start with and vote, get out there and vote. Um, I think voting is extremely important. So 
um, it's been a crazy time and I'm, I'm generally pretty proud of a good portion of this country for standing up for what they believe is right. For sure. Thanks, Alex. Um, Trayden, I want, I want to talk to you a little about, you know, the NHL. Obviously, I think they got a little bit of criticism being a little bit late in postponing their games. Um, they ended up postponing all their playoff games Thursday and Friday of last week. Um, you know, kind of what, what's your opinion on that kind of the, you know, quote unquote, delayed response by the NHL? And again, like your own personal experiences and all that. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a little, it was a little tough to see them not fo- kind of follow suit, at least with the last two games of that, of that, of that Wednesday. Um, I think I agree with Chara. He said that the Boston game had already kind of started. Like they really didn't have a really a chance to, 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 you know, flip the script. Although you could, you could say that they probably should have been more, had more forethought if you're on that side. I'm not, you know, I, it's tough to judge that. Um, the Hockey Diversity Alliance is this subset. This is a group that's not underneath the NHL that is that kind of called for this um, for this action to, to kind of take place. And it's kind of run by players, including Evander Kane, among others. Um, and it seems like they've they've called and they've signed a pledge and they and they and they gave their their, you know, plans and, and wishes to the entire NHL to hopefully build this alliance between, you know, this this group of players and and the NHL. Um, I, I appreciated that they did finally, you know, you know, not play those, la- those, um, those two days, uh, Thursday and Friday to, to, to kind of gather, gather odds, have, start having a dialogue and, and kind of have a plan in place. And, and what I think I appreciate most about all of the leagues, especially the NBA is they didn't just stop the games. They actually have, talked about and and actually i have made plans to make to make structural change because to me you know you could cancel games all you want if you're not going to play i mean what does that do besides giving you time to gather your thoughts gather your plans and make it and give give some sort of you know idea of what you're looking for and they did that and i you know they're 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 working on getting um you know dodger stadium i think is being opened up for voting for as a voting place um, all of these, all these places are opening up their 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 um, their areas for for voting, so that everybody can be can 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 vote. Which is like Alex said, is in my opinion, is the most important thing that an American can do. I mean, that that is your protest. That is your ultimate protest. That is your ultimate voice. And um, and, and I appreciate that. I think that the NHL probably could have been a little bit quicker. Um, I will say this. I, it was tough for me to see how much hate they got considering the MLB still played 12 games and the NHL gets got shit on for, I mean, they, they only canceled three games. I mean, I'm not shitting on the NBA. I'm not or on the, on the MLB. I'm not trying to say they did anything wrong. I, I just think it's kind of, un, kind of unfair to, to completely, you know, discredit the NHL, but I'm maybe because I'm biased. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to cause a controversy, but um I do appreciate that they did listen to the to the um, HDA and are working to to better the you know better the the racial issues that hockey kind of has in its in its DNA. Unfortunately, um, hockey is a very expensive sport and it's not accessible to to people of color that are on the lower end of the economic spectrum. Um, and if and that's something that means something to think that hockey obviously is my favorite sport it's the best sport in the world and the more that people can get involved with it 
you know, that, that's something that I would love, that I would personally love to, to, to donate my money to and, and get people, you know, from all different walks of life, the people that weren't as privileged as me to, to play the game. Um, as for my, you know, as for my personal experience, um, I'm, oh, I'm a white guy from Montana. I didn't, I, I, you know, colored people were not a, were not part of my life really early in my life until I basically moved to California 10 years ago. Um, that said, obviously I've learned a lot in those last 10 years and I've learned a lot in the last, you know, six months to a year. And, uh, and I think I, I echo what Alex said. I think it's my job to continue to, to, to listen to my, um, you know, friends of friends of color. Um, my, you know, my best friend, um, is James. He's, he's, he's a person of color. My girlfriend is, is, um, and he's American. Um, and I've, I've learned a lot from those two, even just recently. And that's among my other friends that I have, that I have come into contact with. And, and I think it's just my job to, to, to listen, to understand. And also that discussion and dialogue is my, in my opinion, is the most important thing. And, and without true dialogue and without discourse, I think that you're just yelling on one side or the other. And that's more damaging than anything, in my opinion, that's polarizing. And, and so my, you know, I, I've always been this, this, in this belief that you don't have to, you don't have to understand everything. You don't have to agree to everything, but if it, you at least need to respect one another, especially respect your fellow American and, and love your fellow American, you know, that they're your countrymen at the end of the day, it doesn't matter their, the color of their skin. So um, that's, that's, that's my two cents, yeah. I guess. Well said, Traden. So Eric, you know, kind of focusing on the NBA and WNBA, I think they're kind of the two leagues that have been the forefront of this whole situation. Um, obviously, it all started, like Alex mentioned earlier, with the, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, not taking the, the, the court before their game with the Orlando Magic, and the Donalds kind of fell from there. Um, there was a lot of, you know, discussion, a lot of reports about them possibly canceling the rest of the postseason. Um, I think, you know, being – you know, sport with predominantly black players, I think for them, it, you know, it's a really, really big deal. And um, it's pretty impressive for me that they're able to come back and play and put on a, put on a great, you know, show as they have and can, and, and will continue to do. But Eric, I know that you work with some, with some, with, with some of those guys, like kind of what's been your experience with them or, you know, like I said, like your own personal experience with all this. Yeah. Everything. Uh, experience and, and working with NBA players has been positive. Always been great learning experiences. Um, and, you know, going back to touching on basically everything you guys said, you know, it's for me, Tyler, Alex, and Traden, it's hard to put ourselves in, in the shoes of them because we truly will not understand, you know, being treated unequal, what that really is. Um, Doc Rivers is really big um, on he's just a great speaker in general and he's touched on, you know, the biggest way to get change is to go vote. Um, and he, I believe, uh, is getting everyone registered to vote in the bubble. All NBA players currently that are in the bubble, he's going to get them registered to vote. Um, and yet, you know, their boycotting was them taking a stand, you know, they're sick of everything that's been going on. It hasn't changed, you know, you <laughs> should, you go back to history and the civil war and all that, you know, and, um, 
Abraham Lincoln and, and you know things from that point on it still they still isn't equality and fair treatment um, so you know the NBA has been really good about portraying their stand and um, the Black Lives Matter voting um, I got a shirt right here from the Clippers uh, equipment staff and a bunch of the NBA equipment staff been good about, you know, making good uh, gear that promotes, um, you know, freedom riders and all these different uh, speakers for the Black Lives Matter movement. You could say this one's from John Lewis, get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. Um, I had that up for two reasons. One, because we're talking about this right now. And two, we'll get into it later. Because, yeah, we're going to talk sports later, so I'll get into that later on. But, you know, kind of just going off of what, every, what all of you have said, um, I agree with everything that's been mentioned. And the, a big thing is, you know, it's – I don't – it's – I'm never going to be treated the same way that they have been treated, but I hope that it changes in the future. Right on, man. Um, a couple other notes around the, the sports world that I wanted to mention – uh, Naomi Os Osaka, uh, women's tennis player, uh, didn't play in her game. I believe it was on Wednesday. And credit to the uh, or the tournament that instead of you know just canceling her match and having her forfeit, they postponed her match uh, along with a couple others. And then the uh, MLS uh, soccer postponed five of their games on Wednesday as well. Um, so you're seeing it all around the sports world. I think that's pretty amazing how you see that effect change you know change so quickly through through all the sports um, happening right now, not, not just with the uh, NBA and, and the WNBA. Um, and just to touch on my own personal experience, you know, kind of similar to, you know, Alex Straden and Eric, you know, you know, growing up with a predominantly white community, you know, not a whole lot of experience with people of color other than kind of just seeing them walk by. Um, you know, I think with this whole uh, movement that's been going on, you know, I've learned a ton. And I think for me, like the biggest change in my perspective is, you know, I was kind of grown up to be and taught to not see color. Um, and I think that even though that's well intended, I think that's the wrong way to look at things because I think it, it ignores the problems. Um, and I think I've learned a lot to, you know, learn about the problems and really understand them more. And, um, for me, I think that's just a big shift in perspective and to not, you know, ignore people of color, not ignore their, their color, not ignore what they're going through. And, you know, because I think it's important for people of the white community to finally speak up and actually say things and actually support them in a, you know, tangible way, um, I think is really important now. And I think you're seeing that more and more, um, which I think is a really, a really good thing. Um, so for me, I'm doing everything I can to not just, you know, listen and support, but also try and, like I say, vote, you know, donate if I can, um, you know, speak up for those that are um, affected by this. Um, because obviously, at the end of the day, we're all human beings on, on this earth. Um, and that's all that really matters. Um, does anybody else have anything that you want to add or comment on? Yeah, I've got one more thing. Um, I was listening to Danny Green's podcast. He's a player for the Los Angeles Lakers. And, um, you know, he was mentioning how NBA players, because they are like we were talking about it predominantly, like it is a predominantly black sport that they've been f almost forced to become politicians as part of this. Um, and Traden, you mentioned it, but shout out to LeBron and getting 
Dodger Stadium set up as a voting uh, voting polling uh, area. And from what I've heard, they've been part of the deal when they um, took a couple of days off to meet with the owners was they're also making all of the home stadiums, you know, obviously they're in the bubble down there in Florida, but all of their home stadiums are going to be repurposed as polling stations as well. So Staples Center, you know, Madison Square Garden, all those, all the stadiums around the country, which I think is great. Um, and, you know, for the people out there that are saying, oh, you know, if I took a day off of work, like I would get fired, you know, I, you're still getting paid, all that bullshit. That's not the point. The point is it's time for the people like four out of five of us who have never experienced like this to shut up and listen. Um, and Amir Garrett, he's a pitcher for the Reds, said it best. Sports are a privilege. You know, um, we all were sad when sports were gone because of coronavirus. And you know what? The NBA almost canceled their postseason because the social injustice that's going on in their country, in this country. And I would have 100% understood if they were like, no, we don't want to play. We are a lucky few that have been given the right and given the means, I guess is a better way to put it, to voice their opinion um, and their opinion that is, it will be broadcasted throughout this country because they, you know, happen to be great at a game and they have the, you know, the money and the popularity and the means to voice that opinion. So um, for those people that are, you know, bitching about players not playing, um, you know, yeah, normal people, you can't just not show up for work, but that's not what this is about. Um, and I, I commend them. I think it's really impressive that these players have decided to take a stand and use, use their platform to, you know, help better this country. Cause we've obviously got a long way to go. Go ahead, uh, yeah, just echoing what you kind of said, Alex, I, I, I actually, I, I actually commend them for not canceling the season because I think Draymond Green said it best. That is their platform. That is the big, they, they created this bubble to be the biggest platform for this, for this movement. And I think they definitely made a big, a big statement by not playing those games. But if you cancel that whole season, your, your platform and your voice is gone because you're not on every single game. You're not getting interviewed after, after every single game. This is your opportunity. Now you got to keep that. And, and I think that that was very, very prudent and smart of them to, to wait, talk about it and realize, okay, this, this is our platform, but we need change. We need structure. We need, we need a plan. And they took those days, they figured it out. And, and now they can continue their, 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 uh, their platform in, the best way possible in my opinion and i really commend them for that as well and you've noticed too exactly what Traden's saying um like post-game interviews with the nba guys like last night chris paul you know they asked him all these questions about the game and every question he would defer away and, and get back to the social injustice matters you know like first you you know this is, this is what's very important in our lives right now that needs to be focused on, yeah, we're playing basketball doing this, but like Traden's saying, that's his chance and opportunity to express what he believes, what they believe, um, and get the statement and point across, you know. He does get back into, you know, the basketball details, but it's, you know, he wants to clear up and make sure that everyone understands what they're playing for, what they're doing it for. Sure. Anyone else? Everybody register to vote. Let's make some change happen here, guys. Well said, James. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. 
Uh, we're going to move on with the rest of this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening to that conversation. I think it was really important for us to have it. Um, and yeah, when we come back, Traden is going to take us to the ice and he's going to give us an update on these 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll be right back. All right, boys, welcome back. Traden, we're going to be talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's been a pretty crazy playoffs. I think a lot of series have not gone the way that we expected them to. I know no, my bracket's no, pretty sure. fucked. Um, so, Traden, take us away. Well, to start, my bracket was fucked after the first round because I'm an idiot. So, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to start with the the that's moved on, and that's the Bolts um, beating the Bruins um, in five games. Um Tyler, I, I, I told you, I asked you to walk through this series. I'm just going to give you a couple um, couple of my, my points. I think that the Bolts were the better team of the whole series. I do think that Boston was the better team in game five, but the better team in each game doesn't necessarily win the game, but I think that the better team wins the series most of the time. Um, that's why we have seven game series. Um, but overall, I think that Boston losing their star goalie was a problem. Um, even though Tampa was missing Stamkos, their depth is huge. Um, and the last time a President's um, Cup trophy team won was Chicago in 2013. I thought it was earlier than that, but it wasn't. Um, so that stretch, that um, curse still um, still remains. So Tyler, um, you know, I, I think that, well, I guess we won't go into that. What do you think of this series? Well, what do you think of that series? What do you think of the Bulls? How do you think? How did? How did? How did everything kind of? Yeah, I mean, it was that was rough. I mean, I I obviously was pulling for the Bruins because they were my pick to win the Stanley Cup. Um, I'm not really a Bruins fan, but obviously there was the that was the team that I wanted to win. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this was a hard fought series. You know, I think a lot of these mm-hmm. games were really close. I think the series being four one kind of overshadows how close these games were. I mean, uh, Tampa Bay won two overtime games. And those could have easily swung the other direction and we could have, you know, a 3-2 series in, in, in Boston's favor right now. Um, but the fact is, it didn't happen. Um, I think, on, we, I talked, I think, last week about how it was kind of Tampa Bay's offense versus Boston's, or sorry, Tampa Bay's, yeah, Tampa Bay's offense versus Boston's defense. Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay's defense, I think, was the, was the thing that, that won this series for them. Um, they had the Boston Bruins had so many stretchers where they were just pounding the net, pounding the net, pounding the net, and they stopped them. And, um, I got to give credit to Andre Vasilevsky, um, Mm -hmm. trading. You asked me who my MVP was going to be for me. That's, that's Vasilevsky. Um, I think he was, he was a stud this series. There's, there's a lot of good players in the lightning, but for me, you know, in that game five, he made 45 saves. He's got like a 930 save percentage right now. Uh, he's killing it. Um, so yeah, credit to the Lightning. They stepped up. They're looking good. They're, they're looking like a good, well-rounded hockey team. And whoever they face in the Eastern Conference Final, I think it's going to be a tough task to get past Tampa Bay. Definitely. Um, well, what's what's interesting on this one um, is this is the most OT wins that the Bulls have racked up um, in their postseason at five, but they're only halfway to meeting the 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 the, uh, the record, which was ten back in '93 when the Canadians won the cup against the Kings in the, uh, in the Stanley cup final. Um, how important do you think that, that stat is for this team? I mean, it seems like 
win the, these overtime games. Do you think that's going to give them such a, a big advantage or do you kind of just throw that stat out as, oh, it's kind of cool? No, I think 100% it gives you a huge advantage. I think overtime and playoffs, I mean, they're huge and they can be turning points in series. I think, you know, I think it was game two that went to overtime. Um, that was a huge turning point in that series. And, um, you know, I think that those overtime wins is when you really grind it out. You've already played a full 60 minutes of hockey. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. these overtimes go two, three, four. I mean, we saw that game one, you know, in the, in the previous series against the, the Blue Jackets, which is crazy. And they just keep playing these overtime games and they keep winning them, you know, and those are huge. I think those are huge series shifting wins. Um, like I mentioned, and th this series could easily be three, two, three, two Bruins, but they, they ended up winning it be, 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 because they got those two. So I, th I think it gives teams a huge confidence boost going forward that, you know, hey, if we get past regulation, we're going to find a way to grind it out in, in OT. Gotcha. Um, I, I do, I do give my, I tip my hat to Vasilevsky. I, I think the Braden point is, uh, has, is definitely a big candidate as well. Uh, I think he's the kind of the big reason why they even have an offense, <laughs> to be honest. He, he wins, he's, he's had consistent, um, you know, game winners. He's recorded at least a point in all but one of their games, uh, multiple or three multi-point games. That was even before their last one, um, two overtime goals. So I, I think he's, he's not a huge star in their lineup, but he is, he's definitely, a, um, him and Vasilevsky are definitely my high, my high picks for the Consmite out of that, uh, and off that team. But, um, so we'll see who they're going to play, um, when we move on now to the Islanders flyers. So thank you, Tyler. Um, Islanders lead the the Flyers three to two. Alex, I asked you to kind of keep track on this one. Um, I, to me, turnovers have been kind of the Flyers' issue. Um, I, I, they just at least before today, um, they haven't seemed to get the they get the puzzle through. It was kind of a, it, it just seems like they're just you know they're they're continuing their defensive style. The Islanders just swallow up the middle of the ice. They have no chance to get the puck out on the Flyer side. Um, a big issue until today, in my opinion, was Claude Giroux. He, he's, he is considerably one of the worst postseason players I've seen production-wise. Um, one goal in his last 14 games, except for today. Um, he's only mustered eight assists in that same time. He is driving the five-on-five -five possession side, so I do appreciate that, but he just doesn't produce. Alex, your captain is not scoring consi consistently every postseason. Does, it, does this concern you? as a teammate? Um, yeah, you know, sometimes it's not all about scoring, obviously, what the captain does. Um, For sure. But when your name is Claude Giroux, like, yeah, you need to be scoring more than what you're doing now. Um, but you're 100% right. The Islanders are swallowing up the middle of the ice. Flyers cannot get their, the puck out of their zone and kind of get their offense set up. Um, Shout out to the Islanders, though. Like, we've been talking about them the whole – every single podcast, it feels like we say the same thing. Like, man, dude, they just swallow teams up. They're so boring, but they're, <laughs> they're getting the job done. Um, even in uh, that game two win for the Flyers, I would watch that whole game. The Flyers went up 3-0 early on. They pulled Varlamov, and I was like, dang, like, okay, here we go. Philly's just going to run them over. Like, no, that was it. The rest of the game, like, the Islanders just took control. Um, and, you know, Eric's brought it up, too. They remind us a lot of the, you know, when the Kings are in their heyday in their early 2010s. They just swallow teams up. They wait for their, they wait for their spot. Um, their forechecking has been off the charts. 
um, which is again how they're swallowing up the middle of the ice and just the Flyers just getting stuck in their zone. Um, Sean Couturier is doing a great job. But yeah, if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan, um, staving off elimination today was huge. Try to get that momentum rolling. But yeah, you need Claude Giroux to start putting pucks in the back of the net. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I know I give him credit. He scored today. Um, I, to me, the Islanders are kind of one of the most, like, I think we've said it, they're one of the most unlikely teams, in my opinion. Um, they don't have much star power. I mean, they have Mar- Matt Barzell, cool. Um, a key highlight, interestingly, was their acquisition of John G. Pajot. He has seven goals, two assists and, uh, for nine points in 13 games. That was before today. Um, as a third-line center. So, um, you know, that, that is, that's huge. Um, do you think that the Islanders have the two best goaltenders in the league as a tandem? As a tandem? Because to me, it seems like you can throw Grice or Varlamov out. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. It sure seems that way right now. Um, you know, goaltending is, is how, you know, how much skill you have as a goaltender a good part of it is how good your defense is. And obviously I know we keep just beating this down, but obviously the Islanders are probably the best defensive team left here in the, in the cup finals. Um, and yeah, they're, but their tandem, you know, when you, we were talking about how Tyler mentioned you asked for MVPs and you said same thing to me, that was going to be my pick for the Islanders MVP is that goaltending tandem. Um, you know, Varlamov has an off night in game two, Greece comes in, shuts him out, no goals for the rest of the game. Forlano's been playing off, you know, and since then he's been playing great. Um, and for the Flyers in the same time, I mentioned early on that if they want to continue going on, Carter Hart's got to play well. So, yes. um, and he's been playing fine. But, yeah, I now that I think about it, yeah, they might have the best one-two punch in, in, in the net right now. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so, in my – my opinion, I think that I don't know how the Flyers win two games. I, I, actually, in this last game, I they were they were down three one, and they came back, and the Islanders came back and almost won it in overtime. So I don't, I, you know, um, in your I don't know how you feel, but in your view, I assume the Islanders are probably going to move on, right? Um, I do think they're going to move on. I don't want to say that because the Flyers were my pick to win the cup, right. and I what I recall is all of your guys' teams are out, so. I'm going to stick with my boys uh, since mine's the last pick that's still in the, in the playoffs. So I'm going to believe in them. Um, but realistically, yeah, the Islander, I don't, I can't imagine the Flyers beat them two more times. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I think that, I think the series is, is exciting, even though the hockey is not exciting. The, the, the way the, 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 the games are going are exciting, I guess. Um, well, moving on to the West. Thank you, Alex. Um, we're not going to talk about the game that's going on right now. We're going to let it go as far as it can. Eric, James, I asked you to, to check tabs on the Stars and Abs. You were very, very on the bandwagon of the, of the Dallas Stars. Um, and, you know, I think some of us kind of questioned that. I, you know, for me, before this series, I thought, oh, wow, the, 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 the Stars are done. Whoa, wow, were we wrong? Um, the Stars are just not a boring team. They are scoring five goals a game consistently and easily. They score in bunches. Um, they came out strong in um, – the Stars came out strong in game – I'm sorry, the Avs came out strong in game four, and they were up 3-1 before the Stars even registered a shot. But then all of a sudden, you look at the last period, 
I'm, I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry. That was game four. I was like last game. Excuse me. <laughs> you saw. You saw the last. You saw the last period. And to me, it was all stars. If 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 the if the score wasn't wasn't up, I would have said, "Wow, the stars are, are winning this game." James, what you know? Are, are, do you feel confident that your that your stars are going to come uh, finish the season or series or what? Yeah, I do. I'm a huge stars fan nowadays. I was a Ducks fan, but I think I might be a stars fan now. The biggest thing about Game Five was. Oh, man. Ben Bishop came back. That was a mistake. Yeah. Like the morning skate, he was unfit to play. He played 14 minutes in game five and gave up four goals. Yeah. The dude, leave it up to Kudobin. He's doing a really good job right now, and they're winning with him mm-hmm. in, in goal. And that, so why? Why'd you take him out? No. That's, that was a bad call, in my opinion. So if it wasn't for Ben Bishop playing, they might have a better shot to win. Maybe they, didn't, they don't give up five goals in the first period, you know? I, I absolutely agree. I think Rick Bonus um, kind of kind of made a mistake there. Um, I, you know, I, I think that that's going to bite them in the ass. But when you're looking at the last half of that game, it was all stars. They came back. It was just too many goals to come back from. I understand that. But, you know, they won the last two periods handedly, in my opinion. So in your opinion, what do the Avs need to get back in this season? I mean, I don't think that they're going to have the 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 – the, the chance to uh, to beat Ben Bishop again. What do you think they need to do to 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 beat this um, Stars team? You know, with Hugh Dobin in the net. I think overall they have to be more physical. Um, if you look at the stats for the last five games, for four of the five games, the, the team that had the more most hits and more blocks, they won the game. And right now, the Abs just aren't as physical as the Stars are. The Stars are just playing bully ball, and they're forcing their will, and it's it makes people tired. It makes you not want to play. But that's what the Stars do, man. They score goals in bunches, and they're physical. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think Pavel Franku is solid enough for this team to rally behind to win two more games? I don't know. I actually really like Michael Hutchinson. He did really well in his first start. He only gave up three goals. He had a 9-12 save percentage. He did really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked him better in goal than I did uh, Francois or Franku. He looked a little bit more confident. Franku looked nervous from the get-go. Yeah. Give up five goals in game four before being pulled. I, I, I like Michael Hutchinson, Hutchinson a lot more, but I do want the Stars to win, so put in Pavel, please. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, in your opinion, who, who are your MVPs for, for each of these teams? Um, you know, we've talked about Mira Heiskanen, in, but who, who do you think is your Stars MVP? For the Stars, you just said it, Mira Heiskanen. That's my guy. He's a defenseman. He plays the most out of anybody on that Stars team right now. He averages between 25 and 27 minutes per game. Um, he has four goals and 10 assists for 14 points in the entire playoff series. Right now, for this playoff series in like particular, he has the most points. Mm-hmm. He's a physical dude. He has 15 hits and has 19 blocks on the series. Like that, that guy just killed people. And he's only 20 years old, I think, or 22. He's young. He's got a lot of time to develop. He's already really good. I'm excited to watch this guy play. Uh, for the Avs, very straightforward, very simple. Anybody could have said this. But Nathan McKinnon, he's pretty much carrying that. He's 20 points over the entire postseason. Uh, he has a plus nine point differential throughout the entire playoffs, too. So when he's on the ice, good things happen. And he's a great leader. He's probably, I mean, he's the best player on a team that's super tough. He's probably the be- one of the best players in the league. Yeah, he's, 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 definitely, for sure. he's solid second for sure. And could could compete. For, I, I would, I would, I would have a conversation about first, to be honest with you. And this is coming from a Oilers fan. So, 
Um, James, I, I, you know, I, I really hope you're right. I'd love to see the stars move on. I think it's, I, I think it's awesome to see these low, uh, lower hockey markets move on. So um, we'll, we'll stay tuned. Um, last one of the day, Eric, we have Vegas up three, one. I, I'm sorry. I know that two of you, two and a half of you in this room or on this Zoom chat hate the Vegas Golden Knights. I am going to stroke them off so hard right now. They are relentless boys. They're faster, stronger. They're deeper than the Canucks. Do they have any, I mean, potentially of any Western team in my opinion. Eric, I know, I understand it's, you know, 15.38 left up where I'm at. Um, it's 2-1 Vancouver. Do you honestly think that Vancouver can win three games in a row? Um, are you standing up right now? I am absolutely standing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I could tell you you're going tonight. Um, my heart, my heart believes they can win three games. My brain believes they cannot win three games in a row on Vegas. Uh, I hate to say it. It seems even that they're up two one right now in fifteen minutes. Vegas is gonna fucking come back. They do it every time. Uh, game three, the Canucks just got mollywopped. I think they yeah. they lost three nothing, but it was just like, you know what that game reminded me of? That Vegas is kind of like the Islanders of the West. They're boring to watch, frustrating, oh. and they just keep winning. Oh, dude, I don't. No know. one likes to watch them, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you want my rant to be there? And hold on, but I mean, following the back-to-back, um, th- that game three they got Molly Wap. Next day they play again, and they have a three-goal fucking third period. It didn't surprise me at all. Um, but to me, they're boring to watch. They they have a similar style to the Islanders where they eat you up in center ice. They don't let you get the puck in the zone, and when they go up two nothing, they just pounce on the puck and frustrate you. That game they won 3 nothing. that's exactly what happened. The first game they won, yeah, they scored five goals, but that same shit happened. I think it was 3 nothing going into the third. They're just – they're frustrating. They don't give you a lot of chances once they go up. That's, to me, what reminds me of the Islanders and them. That's fair. Last thing I'll say is that I bet $100 <laughs> on uh, Vegas to lose, so I'm going to be in debt uh, – and I'm going to bet on the Stars in the Western Conference Finals to beat Vegas so I break oh even and not have to owe $200. I, well, you actually answered my – one of my questions was objectively, not subjectively, is this the most fun hockey squad to watch? You said no. Um, if you watch this team and they don't have a Golden Knights jersey on, the way they transition the puck, the way they pass, the way they forecheck is – this is what a hockey fan thrive. This is what we watch. This is what we, this is what I look for. There's no Oilers team in the past 10 years that would even come close to this team. It's not even, it's not even a contest. This team is so fun to watch. In my opinion, I absolutely love watching them. Are they my favorite team? No, right now. Yes, they are. I love watching them play. Um, um, Eric, who are your MVPs for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Canucks? You know, assuming one of them were to win the cup tomorrow. Um, For Vegas, I'm going to go with Shea Theodore. Hmm. Uh, Puck-moving defenseman, also scores many important goals, gets losses. He's pretty much involved on every point on the ice. And he's, to me, we beat the dead horse, the Kings. He's their dowdy. He's like their guy that runs, runs the puck through the zone, gets the clear going. He's at the point on the power play. He's... 
He's vocal. He's I bet everyone loves him in the locker room. Uh, and then the, it's even funny the Ducks, you know, that's who they gave up when Vegas became a team. And look, look at that, what he's doing now. It's a classical Anaheim Ducks maneuver. Um, but I'd go Theodore with the Canucks. I mean, fucking with Vegas. With Canucks? Uh, I'm going to go Pedersen. Yeah, I think that's a good um, choice. But I was going to say Toffoli, but he's only played like two games. But the two games he's played, <laughs> have just he's been phenomenal, like scoring and getting assists. And that's my King's bias. But Pedersen is is – he just scored tonight to get them to go up. He's been all over the ice. He's been getting goals, assists, everything. He's helping the power play out. He's a young guy. This is his first time in the playoffs. You got to give him give him credit for what he's doing. I hope they can at least push it to a game six. Be nice to have some more hockey on, you know, the next few days. Yeah. No, I, I we all love more hockey. I absolutely love this series. So, you know, it, the longer that the Canucks can hold out the, the Vegas Golden Knights, I think the better for someone like me who loves it. Um, I'm with you though. I like those MVP picks. Um, I mean, that kind of wraps it up. What's going to happen. It looks like, it looks like both of the Eastern teams are coming over to Edmonton for the conference finals. Both of them will be played in the Edmonton bubble, um, which kind of makes sense because the Seneca final is going to be played there. So it only makes sense just to bring over the conference conferences. Um, and then they can kind of manage one bubble for the next, you know, last, you know, three, four weeks. Um, Boys, it's getting close. Um, I'm 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 loving the hockey. Um, really loving the Western matchups. I think that I think they're way more fun to watch than the Eastern, unfortunately. But um, that just is my Western bias. Um, but with that, that's that's hockey. Next week, we're going to see who's in the conference final. And on train, great job as always. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a trip to the Orlando bubble, and Alex is going to give us an update on the NBA playoffs. everybody welcome back we are taking a trip to orlando in florida and alex is going to give us an update on the nba playoffs uh we got still some of the first round finishing up while the second round is going on so a little interesting schedule that's been going on alex what do you got yeah it's a weird schedule um part of that does have to do with obviously we talked about earlier um with taking a couple day break um to you know meet and decide if they want to continue on um, but we'll start in the East. So the Eastern, it's very strange. The Eastern uh, semis, both of those series are already going and have already had games finish. Um, so same thing, like kind of what we just did with trading. Um, I kind of assigned some teams to the guys. So, uh, or series, I guess. So James, we'll talk about game one uh, with the Bucks and the Heat. Again, the Milwaukee Bucks, the number one seed, have lost the first game in the series. They lost 115 to 104 to the Miami Heat. Uh, Jimmy Butler went off for a career high in the playoffs with 40. Um, I asked you the same question when they lost game one of the Magic a week and a half ago. A little bit different now. Are you worried about the Bucks? Answer still the same, and it's no. I'm not worried about the Bucks. I think this might just be the Bucks' new thing, lose game one of the series. I mean, albeit the Heat are a good team. They're balanced all the way around. This will be a good competitive matchup all the way through. Um, now I put the Bucks one and six, not in five and six, like they'll do, this will be back and forth. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. One big thing to, of note though, is that they're starting point guard for the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe was out in game one and he could be out longer. He has a hamstring 
issue going on. He averaged 11.6 points per game. So that's that's a pretty big blow for a team that only lost by, I don't know how many points. How did they, they lost by nine well, points? 11 points. That's 11, yeah. Math yeah. is hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah, basically, like, yeah, it'll be a fun matchup to watch. Giannis is going to dominate again. Although last game he didn't – he almost had a triple-double. He only gave – he only put up uh, 20 – or 18 points. It wasn't quite as sturdy that he's gotten in round one. Um, it'll still be very fun to watch, though. It'll be good. Yeah. Um, I kind of think the Heat are one of those teams that are not getting enough love. Um, you know, those top three teams which did come out of their first-round matchups, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Raptors – were you know us sort of picked or one of us at least picked one of those three teams to come out of the east none of us gave much love to the heat but the heat do they do a lot of things right um and i think the heat might be one of the better teams to guard Giannis, uh jimmy butler and bam Adebayo um, are two guys that can really match up with you know i mean obviously no one can 100 percent guard Giannis; it's impossible but they're two guys you know, probably the tandem other than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that you'd want to throw at somebody like Giannis. Um, I think they're a little underrated. I don't think people are giving them enough title contention threat. Um, it will be, I think this is a, I think this is going to be a much more competitive series than we expect. Um, obviously the heat showed up and really kind of surprised the Bucks and kind of put them on their heels a little bit. I do expect the Bucks to come out and win game two. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how this series goes. I do expect it to go six or seven. Um, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting series. Moving over to the other Eastern Conference series going on, we got the Boston Celtics already up two nothing on the Toronto Raptors. So so far, once the actual playoffs have started, Celtics are six and zero. They swept the Sixers in the first round, and now they won Game One, one twelve to ninety four. So like a pretty Pretty big defeat there for the Toronto Raptors, who were the team that I did pick to come out of the East. And then 102-99, so a little bit closer there in that second game. Uh, Traden, I let you talk about this one. What do you think? Um, are you worried about the Raptors? They're already on 2 nothing. What do you think? 100%. Um, I'm worried about them. Um, I mean, I'm not really worried about them. I don't care if they win. I'd, I'd rather see Boston win um, because I hate Toronto. Um, sorry to my Canadian family. I know you love your Raptors, but sorry. I just don't see them winning. Um, the series, I, I see, I expect the Celts to win in six. I mean, let's just look at what happened. Um, Jason Tatum, Markham, uh, Marcus Smart, each scored 21 in game one. Kemba Walker added 18. Um, and the Celts never trailed that whole game. Um, Siakam has, has been their go-to guy this whole season. And for the past two games, he, he had an okay game too, but his fourth quarter was so bad. You know, two, he, he scores two points in the fourth. And he stepped out of bounds. I know that can happen to anyone, but you are the new – Yeah, I'm not going to say you're Kawhi Leonard, but you are the new guy. You know, you, that, those are your minutes. Those are, those are what make you a superstar. And he needs to shine in those situations. And if he's not, you know, the pressure is going to be on him going forward. And um, he, 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 needs to, he needs to step up. Um, Toronto has – bigger size, but they're not using it. They're just getting beat up and down the court. It seems in some cases they just, you know, even in last game, it looks like they, um, they, they, they really, they were scoring well under their, um, their percentage, you know, that they should have, they're only, you know, really scoring um, corner threes, you know, the whole game. They really, they were, they were really dominated, um, you know, in the middle of the, of the court. 
Um, you know, I, I, I worry, you know, I, it seems like there might be some refing issues. It, you know, um, it, it looks like there was a free throw disparity that was questionable last, this past game where the Celts went to the line nine times before the Toronto even recorded one. Um, Jason Tatum alone went 14 times, which is almost as many as the Raptors did the whole, uh, the whole game. So some, you know, Raptors fans will argue that there's some, there's some questionable, uh, officiating, but you gotta, you gotta play through that in my opinion. Um, I, I will say this, it wasn't too long ago that the Raps were down to two zero against the Milwaukee Bucks last year in the conference semis. So, you know, they, they, they this could just be another, you know, those they'll sweep the next four games, boom, they're in. I, I just don't see it um, un, unless Siakam can can pull up his socks here. Yeah, this series is um, – I thought it was going to be much closer. It does seem like the Celtics have kind of just grabbed the Raptors by their testicles and just sort of twisted them a little yeah. bit and been like, yeah. uh, we're the big boys in this yeah. series. Um, Kyle Lowry was hurt. Um, you know, he is the longest-tenured Raptor. He's a big leader of that team, so it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, how he performs if and when he comes back. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as someone who picked the Raptors to come out of the East, I'm, I'm a little worried now. I was not expecting them to go town 2-0. I was kind of hoping for a split in these first two games or obviously up, them up 2 nothing. That didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Siakam is the dude now. Like, he's the guy. He needs to step up. Um, I'm expecting a better showing from him in game three. We will see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very interesting series to watch, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving over to the Western Conference, uh, almost actually breaking news because this game just ended. Game seven between the Nuggets and the Jazz just finished within the last 15, 20 minutes. Weird game. Uh, it was only, uh, The Nuggets pulled it out. It was 80 to 78. Very strange for, for today's NBA where it's almost everyone drops at least a triple digits every time. Um, the Denver is now only the 12th team to come back from a 3-1 deficit. No NBA team has ever done it, uh, which I find interesting. Uh, Jokic dropped 30 in this game. He is the star of that Denver Nuggets team. Um, kind of crazy ending. Donovan Mitchell got the ball stripped. Uh, the Nuggets on the other end missed a generally like a pretty wide open layup. And then Mitchell was still down on the other on his offensive side of the court. Mike Conley brings the ball up. Mitchell's literally standing there, arms up, open for that three. Conley kind of forces one. It almost drops in, and they lose by two points. Uh, So the Nuggets will be moving on to face the Los Angeles Clippers, who pretty much just stomped on Luka Doncic and the Mavs in those last two games and said, all right, Luka, we gave you your moment, but we're the Clippers. We're an actual top contender. We'll show you what's up. Uh, So, Eric, Clippers Nuggets now. I'm kind of excited that we get, you know, an actual decision and, you know, we have that series set up. What do you, what do you think about this Clips Nuggets series? Shit. Um, the Nuggets are a sneaky team. We have, we've talked about them before, you know, you can't count them out. Um, and I can get into all the stats, you know, with the Clippers and all that stuff as well, but it'd be like telling Kawhi he just broke a record. He's just going to sit there and stare at you with no emotion, probably not say a word either. So what I'm going to really t- talk about more is, is the matchup matchups that are going to go down in that series. Uh, Cause you know, this, we got to talk about um, Gary Harris or wait, what's his fucking name? Uh, <laughs> Murray. 
there you Jamal go. Murray. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Harris is good too, but uh, Jamal Murray is, is their guy. Uh, Clips are going to need Pat Bev. He was out uh, most of the series against Mavericks. And, you know, it kind of came back to haunt him a little bit when Luca went off on his two games. Or, you know, pretty much every game he went off. But they're going to need Pat Bev uh, to do his job and be a dog on uh, Murray. And then, you know, you got Jokic. And we got – Clippers got Zubac. But Zubac is coming into his own. But Jokic is a, is a pure superstar over there. He's the guy you want the ball with in the fourth quarter to be clutch. He had like a fadeaway, like one-handed skyhook earlier, I think, to put him up 80 to 78 in that game. Um, so it's going to be a matchup battle. And, you know, PG, he had his, his off showings in that Mav series, but he's going to have to come out full throttle in this one because uh, you know that Murray's going to go off for them. You know that Jokic is going to go off. Um, it's going to be the bench players. I think the battle of the benches, uh, the bench didn't do so well for the Clippers actually in that first series. So I keep bringing up Lou Will and Trez and they didn't do much. Uh, they're going to have to do a lot more in this series. Um, I think it goes six games. Hopefully Clips pull it off in six games. Yeah. Um, yeah. The bench is really interesting because Clippers bench was um, pretty much the best bench in the NBA all season. Um, so they are going to have to show up. The Nuggets are a very good team. Uh, we talked about it last week, how Donovan Mitchell was one of only three players to drop 50 twice in a series. Well, now there's four because Jamal Murray also did it twice in this series, which is incredible. Um, so now it's Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, Donovan Mitchell, and Jamal Murray. Um, between those two guys that dropped 50 twice, there was a really nice moment there at the end of the game. Mitchell was lying face down on the court, just heartbroken by how that game ended. Murray came over, kind of gave him a pat on the back, said, yo, man, what a series. Um, I think, you know, the Nuggets and the Jazz, you know, they're kind of – they're close together geographically. I think that's going to be a really fun rivalry uh, going forward. Um, and shout-out to Donovan Mitchell. He's been one of those guys that's been very outspoken um, during this whole this whole process um, going through the social injustice that, we're talk- that we talked about earlier. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is a superstar, and I'm really interested to see how he comes back. Um, but, yeah, the Clippers bench – to move kind of on to the second round. The Clippers bench needs to show up. Paul George needs to play better. Um, I do expect the Clippers to move out of that series just because Paul George and Kawhi can guard Jamal Murray. Um, I don't – no one – I mean, no one can really guard Jokic. I don't think Zubac really has much of a shot to guard him. But I think the Clippers' overall depth will bring them forward. Uh, Moving on to the last – well, potential series. So, Tyler, we're going to kind of go through two things with you. So, we still we got game seven coming up tomorrow night, the Rockets and the Thunder. Uh, Chris Paul pretty much took out his dick, slapped James and Russell Westbrook with it, and said, nah, man, we're going to game seven. Um, the end of that game, Russell Westbrook looked awful. This was the first game he played in the series. Um, they had a chance to win it, and he threw the ball away. He had – at least seven turnovers in that game. Um, so first thing, what do you expect? What are you like looking forward to in game seven Rockets Thunder? Yeah, I think it's been a great series. I think OKC has put up a bigger of a fight than I think some people expected out of this series. Um, I, as you mentioned, I think Chris Paul is just carrying that team right now. Um, I think it's going to come down to, to, to those two guys, you know, Chris Paul versus Rus- Russell Westbrook, like which guy is going to step up and be the, be the better performer in that game seven. 
Um, I think Houston takes game seven. I just think that uh, they've been the more, I think, I think they're, just the, they're the more talented team here. Um, but OKC, they kind of have that it factor, that kind of thing about them that, you know, it's kind of hard to explain it, but they kind of come up clutch when they need to. They proved that in the last game. And um, I think, I, I mean, OKC could win it too. I think it's a, I think it's a toss up in game seven, but uh, my, my, my gut's going with, with, with Houston. Okay. Um, I disagree. I'm going to go Thunder. Um, I don't, Russell Westbrook is not 100%. He does not, he does not seem right. He looked awful. Um, end of the game, he had a little short, maybe 15 footer straight air ball. Um, great play by James Harden though. Off the, off the, um, baseline, grabbed it, tossed it off of, uh, Dario Gallinari. It was a, it was a great play. Would have been the play of the game if then Russell Westbrook didn't turn the ball over again on the very next possession. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Chris Paul is leading that Thunder team. He's one of the great leaders in the NBA. You know, he gets a lot of bad rap. Um, I think he's – I think Chris Paul is a little bit like Michael Jordan where he's going to push – or like Kobe, he's going to push his team to perform at their highest. Um, and he's obviously done that so far with the Thunder. So, whichever then – so, Tyler, the next question, whichever team comes out of that game seven, they'll be facing your Los Angeles Lakers number one seed – who, after that rocky start in game one against the Trailblazers, really just showed their muscles. Uh, game five was pretty much just a throwaway game. Um, you know, Dame was hurt. C.J. McCollum this whole time has actually been paid, playing with a fractured back, so mad respect to him because that's incredible. Um, you know, if I have, like, a little backache, I'm like, I can't, I can't do anything. So. Can't cook the dishes. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, I can't cook. I can't do the dishes. No, but he's playing in an NBA playoff game with a partially fractured back, so – CJ McCollum, you're a beast. Congratulations uh, to you for just surviving, I guess. Um, <laughs> after, after watching that Lakers series, um, how do you feel now that they, you know, they won four in a row, they looked really good, their defense stepped up, their offense looked better. What are you feeling depending on, you know, whatever team comes out of that game seven? Yeah, I'm a lot more confident in this Lakers team than I was kind of going into their first round matchup against the Trailblazers. Um, they looked at, like I mentioned earlier, a little bit rusty, not really clicking on all cylinders for whatever reason. Um, but I guess they're able to turn on that switch when they need to. After that game one loss, they're like, all right, we got to step up. We really got to get going. That's what they did. And ever since then, it's been just domination, classic Lakers, the Lakers that we've seen all season long. Um, so I'm a lot more confident no matter who they face, whether it's OKC or Houston, that they're going to win the series. Obviously, I think both Houston and OKC are a better team than Portland. Um, so I think it's going to be more than five games. I think it's probably going to go six or seven again. Um, but, yeah, I'm as a Lakers fan, I'm feeling good right now just with whoever they face, um, be it Houston or, or, or OKC, uh, that they'll win that series. Yeah. Um, you know, when LeBron is pulling – pulling out the Dame dollar shot from the logo, the Lakers are unstoppable. If he's going to hit, if he's going to hit threes from the logo and if LeBron James shoots three ball, well, they, you can't beat the Lakers. Um, I mean, Anthony Davis is literally unguardable. Um, if LeBron James shoots well, I mean, what do you do? You either guard him on the shot or you're just going to give up the jam because he's got, even at 35, he's going to blow by you. Um, LeBron James proved in that series that he can turn it on in the playoffs just like he has for the last 17 years. Um, LeBron James is still the best player in the NBA. Um, he can turn it on like nobody else. You know, respect to Giannis, respect to Dame, respect to James Harden, but 
no one is LeBron James. Um, I think this Laker team is destined to meet probably the Clippers in the Western Conference Final. I think everyone in the NBA from day one of this season has been looking forward to that series. I hope we get it. Um, I, you know, well, you never know, though. Surprises will happen. But the NBA, the NBA playoffs are getting really interesting really quickly. So, guys, definitely tune in. Um, and pay to what those guys are saying. Um, they've got a lot to say. They're all, you know, they're intelligent guys. Go out and vote. Listen to them. They're working really hard uh, to make this country a better place. Alex, thank you again for your NBA update. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, James is going to take us through his final NFL division, the AFC South. All right, guys, welcome back. Guys, we made it. James is taking through his final division preview. It's the AFC South. Save the best for last, right? Um, Definitely. James, I'll let you take it away with the AFC South. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. Didn't think we could do it, but we're here. Last division. Huge shout out to all the co-hosts here for uh, taking over hosting duties whenever I was supposed to so I could finish up. So thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We're going to start with the best team in the league last year. Just kidding. They suck. But the Jacksonville Jaguars. In 2019, <laughs> they went 6-10. and 10. It's weird because they're only a couple years removed from when they had one of the best defenses in the NFL. Their head coach is Doug Marone. Uh, they were 26th in total offense and 21st in total defense. Their weakness going into the offseason was a linebacker. Uh, their linebacking group had an average grade of 43 from pro football focus, and that's out of 100, so they were bad. Moving on, uh, people who moved on in the offseason – they lost a couple of small pieces through free agency, but they basically traded away their best players via tra- or traded away the best players. The first one is Nick Foles. He was traded to the Chicago Bears. AJ Boye traded to the Broncos. Clay's Campbell, he was traded to the Ravens. We talked about him in our second episode, and he's the third best defensive lineman in, in the league. And they also recently just traded away Yannick Ngakwe to the Vikings. They went into the drafts and they picked up CJ Henderson in the first round and Levon Chizone in the second in the first as well. And in the second, they picked up a wide receiver, LaVisca Chanel Jr., who is giving a lot of hype in camp right now. So he's a name to look out for. They went into free agency, and they picked up Joe Schobert from the Browns. He had 133 tackles last season, so he's, a, he's good. He's a good tackling machine. And Tyler Eifert has been injured the majority of his career. My prediction is that they go 2-14. and 14. <laughs> A couple of years ago, the Jacksonville Jags were referred to as Saxonville because they were one of the scariest defenses in the league and just destroyed your offense. During this last offseason and season, they got rid of literally everyone who made that defense what it was. Although they signed an above-average linebacker in Joe Schobert, their defense got worse. Pretty much the only good thing about their offense is that you could win a year's supply of Bud Light if you win your fantasy football league with Gardner Minshew, but the chances of that happening are slim to none behind their horrendous offensive line. Oh, yeah, and start running back Leonard Fournette literally just got released. Bottom line, Jags are devoid of talent and will be one of the worst teams in the league. Tyler, let's start with you. What do you think? Yeah, that Leonard Fournette one kind of screwed me over a little bit, drafted him in fantasy football, so uh, kind of figuring out what I need to do with that. James, you sent me a trade offer. Uh, uh, so we'll see you what happens. Yeah, I should. Uh, probably not going to accept it live on this uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, what's the trade offer? Let's breaking hear it. news. Yeah, Leonard he, Fournette he, for Wyquell Armstead. Mm-hmm. So, 
who is in, you know, the running to be, you know, the Jaguars new running back. But I mean, Raquel Armstead, I don't, I don't even know who that is. Um, so I don't know if that's the right move. Uh, I'm going to kind of wait Do and it. see what happens with Fournette. Um, hopefully he gets picked up by a team and will, you know, still be a fantasy contributor this season but yeah that that's annoying but yeah as far as the, the the Jaguars go I agree with you James I don't see a whole lot here I gave them five and 11 I gave them a few extra wins just because I think um they got some talent on the offensive side of the ball even with with Fournette being gone but yeah apparently also too like the the leadership of this team is like pretty bad and the players hate playing for this team so I don't think the whole clubhouse atmosphere is great either over there in Jacksonville so yeah I, I gave them five and 11 um just as a little as a little gift i gave him a few extra wins but yeah not 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 going to be a fun season in, in, in jacksonville Aiden. yeah <laughs> i actually gave him five wins i don't even know why <laughs> um i get i guess i believe in gardner Minshew the second the first of his name um i believe that he's uh you know i i love it i love his his attitude is he the greatest no but his his attitude is infectious and that that's enough for me to to give him five wins but guys they're a young team 68 players um will have less will have four less years of experience um 39 were not even on the team last year um you know i i think you're just going to see another losing season it's going to struggle i don't know anything about armstead um tyler eifert is a joke in my opinion because he's always hurt um so i I don't know who he even throws to besides DJ Chark, but we'll get to that later, I'm sure. <laughs> Alex? Yeah, yeah, I've got I'm going two and fourteen. Um, it's gonna be a real sad, sad year in Jacksonville. You gotta feel bad for those guys. I feel like they're just they had one great year and they've just been terrible. Literally, I feel like in my entire life. The Jacksonville Jaguars have just been a joke. Um I don't expect much out of them. They'll get the number one overall pick. Hope maybe they'll get Trevor Lawrence. We'll go from there. And Eric. Yeah, I had them at actually six and ten, and then the Leonard oh Fournette God. shit that happened today. But I was going with the whole Gardner Minshew diamond in the rough. He's got a good attitude. He's going to pull his team out to win six, six games. But he won't now because Leonard Fournette left this morning. Uh, and, yeah, fuck, man. Two years ago, this team was one quarter away from the Super Bowl. They were playing the Patriots, and that's fucking, you know, we know what happens when you play the Patriots. They just fucking win all the time and go to the Super Bowl. And they ended up losing to the Eagles that year, surprisingly. But uh, their defense is a black hole, and they're going to be trashed this year. I agree with that. Uh, moving on to fantasy year, we're going to start with Gardner Minshew the second. Uh, his ADP is 166, QB 24. The most interesting about Gardner Minshew the second is that there's no Gardner Minshew the first, as Jaden alluded to earlier. His dad's name is Flint, and his grandfather's name is Beowulf. But his dad wanted to name him the second of something, so now he's Gardner Minshew the second. Um, unless you're a big Bud Light guy, don't draft him. It's not worth it. Leonard Fournette is next. ADP is 38, running back 15 at the time. Now he's pretty much going undrafted because he doesn't have a team. He's a true workhorse back, or he was, and he played in 88% of the snaps for Jacksonville. Um, Tyler, you drafted Fournette. Where do you think he'll sign? Oh man, that's anyone's guess. Um, all I all I know is I hope it's with the team that he'll he'll get a huge carry load. Yeah, I mean, something I, to think I, about though is that he might sign with the Colts, as my buddy Matt from Indiana mentioned to me. That would okay. be kind of scary. Yeah, that so, offensive 
something we could talk about, but I mean, that's something to think. Like, that if he's be, there, I'd keep him. Yeah, that'd be great. That's why I'm I'm gonna keep Fournette for now. I'm gonna see where he ends up. Hopefully, he ends I'll up. Trade Daniel Jones for him. No. <laughs> so yeah, no. I mean, my 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 hope is that he ends up with a team um, that's gonna give him some uh, good fantasy points. That's I'm just crossing my fingers for that. Last, we're going to talk about DJ Chark Jr., and he's actually a junior. Uh, ADP 72, wide receiver 27. In our draft, he went as pick 54, which is way, way higher than what he should be drafted at. And Mike, I don't know why you did that. Um, Traden, you drafted Keenan Allen right before Chark got taken. Prefer Keenan Allen to DJ Chark. With risk of sounding like an idiot because I actually know who Keenan Allen is. <laughs> okay, there it is. Plain and simple, ladies and gentlemen. He knows Keenan Allen. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts now. Uh, 2019, there were seven and nine. It was a weird season for them because they had Andrew Luck when preseason started, but then after the third or fourth preseason game, he retired. So that that was that was weird. They coached by Frank Wright, who used, who used to be the uh, offensive coordinator for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. They were 17th in total offense, 18th in total defense. Their weakness going into the offseason was QB. Jacoby Reset did a really good job, but he was pretty inaccurate. He had a 23.9% uncatchable pass rate, which is second worst in the NFL. In addition to that, they need better and more reliable wide receiver options because T.Y. Hilton is great, but he deals with injuries often. And as a group, they were 30th in the NFL in yards. Move, uh, people moved on as Clayton Gathers, Jawal Shear, Joe Haig, and Eric Ebron. They Michael Pittman, a wide receiver from USC. He's a really good guy. And Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin in the second round. He's, he's built like a linebacker, and he's NCAA's sixth all-time rusher. Puts up a lot of yards. He had 50 touchdowns. Crazy. They went into the offseason, and they signed Phillip Rivers from the Chargers, and they traded for DeForest Buckner, and they also signed Xavier Rhodes from the Vikings. He had an off year last year, but he was a Pro Bowler in 2018. If he can regain that Pro Bowl-level form, he's going to be a huge addition to this defense. My prediction is that the Colts take a huge step forward here, and they end up as 10-6, and six, and they win the division. Uh, the Colts saw their biggest weaknesses this offseason off was solving, signing Philip Rivers and draft, drafting Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. I agree that Rivers is no longer an elite arm talent, but he's miles better than Jacoby Rivers that will ever be. And with a better offensive line, he's going to perform much better than he did with the Chargers. This O-line might be the best in football. Their defense is largely the same, but they added one of the best defensive linemen into DeForest Buckner, and they should be a top 10 behind the new development and leadership of Darius Leonard. Trayden, what do you think? Yeah, I have them 10 and 6, but I that would be second for in the division for me, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, man, I, I think this is a huge potential turnaround here. Um, you know, Philip Rivers comes to, to Indy with an infusion of young talent. Um, I, I think he was sought after. He's had a relationship with uh, Frank Reich in the past, so he already knows, you know, 80% of the playbook, which is you know, give or take, which is, uh, which is definitely a huge plus. Um, to me, I mean, I, I drafted T.Y. Hilton, so I need him to do well. Um, I, I, you know, barring injuries, I think that he's, um, he's a solid player. He's had multiple seasons over a thousand yards. Um, uh, you know, with also, like you said, um, Buckner from the Niners has come to India. I think you're going to see a, I think you're going to see a big turnaround and a team that's going to be very fun to watch. Alex. Uh, I have them also at 10 and six, um, also winning the division. Uh, I think Michael Pittman Jr. is a huge pickup for them to be kind of the other wide receiver that's not T.Y. Hilton. You need more than one 
Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is a low-key, sneaky pick for them. I can't believe he fell to the second round. Um, Philip Rivers, I agree with you, James, is much, much better than Jacoby Brissett. No, no, no hate for him. He's a good quarterback. He's got some work to do, obviously. He's still young-ish. He can work on that. Um, yeah, I got him at 10-6. and six. My only worry is Philip Rivers, the Chargers were weird last year. They're, they were really hard to kind of determine how what they played like and how Philip Rivers was like. If he shows his age and falls off, the Colts are screwed. But um, I generally think they're the best team in this division, so I'm going to give them a ten and six record, and they're going to they're going to make the playoffs. Eric, ten and six. Philip Rivers got pretty much fucked last year. I mean, the team around him wasn't. He also shit the bed every red zone showing. Uh, he was fourth in the NFL in passing yards, but he had a terrible red zone uh, scoring. He threw many picks in the red zone, which is like a nightmare. But I think Rivers will give him a spark. They got T.Y. Hilton and Funchess with him. And Funches I have their uh, – He upped it up. And they don't have Funchess. And uh, I have their D in fantasy, so I'm hoping they do well. Um, and I got him at 10 and 6. And lastly, Tyler. Uh, also 10 and 6, winning the division. Wow. Um, I'm not 100% sold – Philip Rivers is going to be great. I got like a, I, I kind of echo what Alex saying. He's I pick him as a concern just with his age and you know he he did have a weird season last year, um, but he is I think one of the best quarterbacks in the league in terms of just his history and how well he's performed even with with the Chargers for all those years. And he did and it, he did improve their quarterback uh, position for sure. So uh, yeah, Colts ten and six. Philip Rivers right now is going at 167, QB 27. He's largely going undrafted. Depending on how the season pans out, he could be a really interesting waiver wire guy. Uh, let's go ahead and tackle the running back group. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going at 58, running back 22, while Marlon Mack is going at 135, running back 42. Taylor is a superior talent by far, but he's a rookie, and Marlon Mack is the starter right now, according to Frank Wright. Um, but Taylor's being drafted about 70 spots ahead of Marlon Mack, Alex, who do you think provides better value at their ADP? At their ADP, probably Marlon Mack. Um, you know, if especially if Jonathan Taylor is not the starter right away, he is obviously a much better football player overall. But yeah, as a rookie, um, when you're not the guy, you got to go. You know, Marlon Mack is not some scrub either. He's a very good running back. People do not give him credit. So at his ADP, Marlon Mack for sure. Okay. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, ADP 60.8, wide receiver 23. He's projected for 211 points. Last year, he was wide receiver 57 because of injuries. So, Eric, does T.Y. stay healthy this season? Yes. He's got the best offensive line in the league, as you said, so yes. And how does that help him as a wide receiver? (laughs) He gets open, and Rivers gives him the ball, and he scores, and he's healthy. Okay. Will he be a top 20 wide receiver? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, moving on to the Tennessee <laughs> Titans here. Uh, they were a pretty good, pretty surprise team. They were in 2019, they were 9-7. and seven. They officially moved on from Marcus Mariota and with the emergence of Ryan Tannehill. Their head coach is Mike Rabel. They ranked number 10 in total offense, number 12 in total defense. Their biggest weakness going into the offseason was a pass rusher. They only had a pass pressure rate of 32%, which is 27th in the league, and they only had one, one rush, one pass 
crash rate of 10 higher, and that's Cameron Wake, Cameron Wake, who is no longer with the team. They lost a couple of big guys on their team. Um, Jack Conklin, he signed with the Browns for $42 million. Marcus Mariota obviously went to the Raiders. Logan Ryan just signed with the Giants for $7 million. Tajay Sharp is gone. Deion Lewis is gone. And pro bowler defensive end Gerald Casey is also gone. They went to the draft and picked up Isaiah Wilson in uh, the first round. He's a tackle. He's a big dude. He's 6'7", 350, mammoth of a man. And uh, they picked up Christian Fulton in the second. They went and got Vic Beasley from the Falcons, who had eight sacks last season, and also some the, or offensive line depth in Tyler Sambrio from the Falcons as well. My prediction is that they go 9-7. and seven. I think the Titans take another step forward, but it doesn't necessarily reflect in their standings. Their offense relies heavily on the running back, and luckily for them, they have one of the best, most physical running backs in the game. In addition to that, A.J. Brown showed a lot of promise in his rookie season, and he can develop into one of the best receivers if he has the right leadership. They're different to what it did last year, but the addition of Vic Beasley should help them with their pass rush. Although the Titans lost a couple of key veteran pieces, they replaced them with promising rookies, and these rookies really need to step up for the Titans to have success. Alex, what do you think? Uh, I also have them at 9-7. and seven. It's really annoying me that we're agreeing on all of these. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, Derrick Henry is a monster. Um, I, uh, why I don't give them a 10-6 and six record and have them kind of have a tiebreaker with the Colts is I'm a little worried about his workload. Um, he, they literally – he actually, I think, put all other 52 guys on his massive shoulders and carried them into the playoffs last year. And I'm a little worried he's going to break down at some point. Um, if not – they could end up winning this division very easily. Um, yeah, I got them at nine and seven. If it comes down to if Derrick Henry can stay healthy and control that offensive tempo, they're going to go great. If they're screwed, Eric, I don't agree. I have them at ten and six. Derrick Henry is the new age beast mode, in my opinion. Uh, Tannehill struck lightning last year. And I think they're going to be able to carry on with it. They had the number nine defense in the league, always a plus. They took out the GOAT, Tom Brady, and made him leave New England. Uh, I think they're going to ride that energy. Yeah, you got you to gotta be worried, though, with Derrick Henry carrying the whole team on his back. Um, but I have them going 10-6. and six. I think good things are coming to this team. And they got that solid leader of a coach, Vrabel, to help them carry that on. Tyler, yeah, uh, I also haven't at or I haven't nine and seven. Um, I agree. Just thing on the defensive side, I don't know if they're as good as they were last year. Um, I think Derek Henry, as I mentioned, is an absolute stud. I think Ryan Tannehill can carry over what he did last year. I think it was a big turning point for him last season. Um, so I think that's I think it's gonna be a hard fought battle between the Colts and, and Titans this division. But I think that the Titans were, will just fall short. And trading. 12 and four boys. Oh my gosh. Okay. First in the division. Um, I they, can't wait for these kids to be rattled with you on Instagram. No, I, I can't wait either. Well, well, Alex said he didn't want everyone uh, agreeing, but I, to be fair, I had this in mind before. Um, they were the team that knocked down the, the, the reign of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They knocked out Lamar Jackson and they only lost to the eventual uh, Stanley Cup champions, Super Bowl champions, excuse me. <laughs> Um, I, I'm excited what Tannehill is going to do this whole, this for the entire season. Um, in my opinion, I don't see 
their defense is having a glaring hole. I don't think it, I don't think there's anything that's glaring. I think they're going to be solid. Um, and I think this is going to be a bit better. Um, Derek Henry will continue to be great. AJ Brown has given me promise. Um, I, I may be going on a limb here, um, but I, I think that they have a chance to, to be the, the top in the division. Call me crazy, but that's just a feeling. They're crazy. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is uh, ADP is 158, quarterback number 20. Um, Trading, Jared Goff is only at 156, so just two spots ahead. If you had to pick from the two, who would you pick and why? Oh, this is, that's a tough one. Um, Tannehill's tough. He, he does have a little – he does have a um, pretty low uh, TD to interception ratio, which is concerning. I, I, but Goff has kind of took a step back last year. It's tough. I, I would actually, I guess – Go with. I'm gonna go with Tannehill. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I, I I have to go with big time guy. Sorry, you're a big time guy right now. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Derrick Henry is the one gets seven seven point four running back number six, three hundred years last season. Absolute workhorse back. Tyler, you drafted Dallin Cook at uh, pick number five, while Derrick Henry went number seven in our league. What made you pick Dalvin Cook over Derrick Henry? Um, I was I was a tough. This I was a lot of good guys uh, to draft the number five. Um, for me, it's kind of, you just kind of go with your gut on that one. I don't really dive deep into the statistics on that one. I just kind of go, I look at the board. I kind of gauge what I see and kind of go with my gut and I can't really explain my gut. It just is what it is. Your gut <laughs> is your brain. <laughs> I don't know. It's not really my brain because I don't really overthink it. I don't really, I don't try and like, you know, dive into the stats and like try to, you know, determine what's what, you know, honestly, I won a fantasy football three times off my gut in drafts. So I think it works pretty well. So I you went against, you gut. went against your rankings though. You had Derrick Henry ahead of Dalvin Cook. So I'm kind of confused. Ooh, right. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. That's the same time doing that. I have a tendency of going and going against Saquon over Chris. We do the facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I had to play. I had to bring it up. <laughs> You're a liar. Moving on to AJ Brown, he's going at forty-seven point two wide receiver, eighteen. He's a budding star right now. He had the second most fantasy points after week eleven at the wide receiver position. He also had eight touchdowns, which I think is unsustainable, but we'll see. Alex, you had AJ Brown. Do you think AJ Brown finishes as a top fifteen wide receiver when his ADP right now is a wide receiver eighteen? No. Um, and my worry is that they're going if Derrick Henry stays healthy. They're going to use him as the focal point of the offense, and Tannehill's not going to throw enough, which is why the earlier question I would pick Goff because Goff's going to throw it all the time. I I don't I worry that Tannehill is not going to throw it enough. If you watch those playoff games, they literally just let Derrick Derrick Henry do his thing. Tannehill is kind of like the second tier. You know, obviously the quarterbacks got to hand it off, but uh, I don't think he can finish in the top fifteen. Is kind of what it comes down to now. Okay. Last team we're ever going to cover for this year, at least, is the Houston Texans. Woo! In 2019, they were 10 and 6. Their head coach is Bill O'Brien, who's also their GM. He also fucked their team up big time. Made a lot of mistakes here. They ranked number 19 for total offense, number 18, or not 18 and 14 total offense, 19 total defense. Sorry. Uh, their weakness going into the offseason as a cornerback, they had a coverage grade that was higher than only the Dolphins. They allowed a passer rating of 128.9 when targeted, which is really bad, guys. They lost their best player in DeAndre Hopkins. They traded him to the Cardinals. Terrible move, in my opinion. He's a generational talent. I don't know why you did that. They also lost their starting running back in Carlos Hyde to the Seahawks. Jonathan Joseph went to the Titans, and 
DJ Reader signed with the Bengals, who had six tackles for loss last season. They drafted Ross Playlock, a defensive tackle, and Jonathan Greeno, the linebacker, linebacker from Florida. Um, they went in and they traded for David Johnson when they traded away uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he's three years removed from having a 1,000 rushing and almost 1,000 receiving season. But that was three years ago, and ever since then, he hasn't really done much. They also traded for Brandon Cooks from the Rams, and they signed Randall Cobb from the Cowboys. My prediction is that this team goes 8-8. Eight and eight. Trading away one of your best players rarely ever bodes well for a team, and it certainly won't here. Bill O'Brien is on a major power trip and doesn't have any sense of direction for this team. He traded away a top three wide receiver for, for a running back who hasn't had a, a thousand yards rushing since 2016. Their wide receiver room is full of speedsters, but they lack a route runner and a possession receiver. The O-line isn't any better while Deshaun Watson is, and so, is still an elite QB. He'll be running for his life. They didn't fix their biggest weaknesses on defense. That honestly looks worse overall. The Texans will get lucky to get for the first couple games, but they'll ultimately take a step back this year. Eric, let's start with you. Well, I wish we would have covered them before last week because I have David Johnson in fantasy, and I also have Brandon Cooks, <laughs> and I have DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, I have them at nine and seven. Um, I like Deshaun Watson and his efforts. I just don't know how far they're gonna they're gonna prove this year. And let's hope David Johnson uh, breaks out of that slump because I have him in fantasy. Brandon Cooks. He's kind of one of my backup guys. I got him just in case. And DeAndre Hopkins, let's hope he goes off because I have him too. Okay. And Tyler? Uh, seven and nine for the Texans. Um, yeah, that trade uh, setting him away was just – it was bad. Um, and I don't really see this team recovering from that. I think it's going to be, a, you know, a hangover effect from that. Um, I just think this team has a lot of question marks going forward. Um, Deshaun, Washington's, Deshaun Watson is a beast. I think he will give them more wins than they probably would get otherwise. But, yeah, 7-9. Trayden? 8-8. Eight eight. I mean, how, how can you not have kind of a committee to make sure these stupid fucking trades don't go through? Like, are we kidding, are we kidding ourselves right now? Just David Johnson? I mean, on my fantasy notes, I say no. That means <laughs> just no. I said I mean, yes. Clearly. <laughs> 345 yards last year versus I don't even know what Hopkins had, but fuck. I mean, I'd be scared if I, if I was the owner, I'd be pissed. First of all, um, um, they're 20, they're 25th against the run 29th against the pass. Woof. Um, and they lost an important nose tackle DJ reader. As you said, um, JJ SWAT was hurt and only played eight games. They need him to stay healthy if they even want a chance. In my opinion, I love JJ SWAT though. He's awesome. Um, yeah, Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb and David Johnson. That is your answer. Good luck. Um, yeah, eight and eight's probably generous. Bye. And Alex. Yeah, uh, six and ten. Um, <laughs> Bill, Bill O'Brien needs to be fired. He is an absolute joke. Um, I don't know who would fucking give him total reins of this team. It's not gone well, obviously. That trade was ridiculous. Um, Deshaun Watson, I agree with you, Tyler. He's a fucking man. He is a winner. Um, but yeah, that O-line, he's going to be running for his life. Um, I'm worried about that. Their defense is terrible. Their wide receiving core could be interesting with Will Fuller and Randall Cobb and, um, Brandon Cooks, 
But if Deshaun Watson is running backwards and can't look forwards because five 350-pound men are running down his fucking throat, that's going to be an issue. Six and ten, I really feel bad because I love Deshaun Watson, but I have no faith in the Texans this year. Deshaun Watson at 42.5, QB number three. So he's the first QB off the board after Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes. He's projected for 317 points. Um, although he lost his best running back or wide receiver and his shitty O-line, he has great running ability, and I think that's going to help him a lot here. Uh, in our draft, Deshaun fell a decent amount to pick number 76 to Tyler. He uh, went between Kyler Murray and Matt Ryan. So, Tyler, why did you draft Deshaun Watson when you did? I was pretty happy he, he fell on me when he did. Um, really wasn't expecting to pick a quarterback in that slot, but he was on the board. Um, and I figured he'd be, he'd be a good pickup. Like you mentioned, I think that he does have the ability to outrun um, some, some pass rushes because of his offensive line isn't that great. So I, think, I still think he'll be a very good fantasy uh, player for me this season. So, yeah, I, I, I think he, just, he, he kind of just fell right in my lap in that draft. So I was, I was pretty happy with that pick. David Johnson's going at 46.1, running back 18. Eric, you drafted Dave Johnson at pick number 37, which is higher than his ADP. At that point in time, he could still choose between uh, TG3 or Todd Gurley and James Conner. So why'd you put, pick David Johnson over Todd Gurley or James Conner? I love Gurley. Had him last year. Didn't work out. Uh, James Conner, fuck the Steelers. Uh, I don't believe in them. My heart doesn't believe in them. My brain doesn't believe in them. So I saw David Johnson, and uh, I hope he turns things around. It's been a while since he's done done well, and this is the year he turns it around. Okay. Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, the two main wide receivers on this team now. Uh, they're pretty much the same kind of player. They're both speedsters. They stretch the field vertically, and they're also very injury-prone. Will Fuller is going at 89.2, while Brandon Cooks is going at 98.2. Um, so between Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, who finishes the best at their given value and their ADP? Traden, Alex, and Max, you guys. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, Will Fuller, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a more reliable guy. Um, Brandon Cooks has had a very weird career. He's bounced around from some really good teams. Um, but isn't, other than when he was with, I, I guess, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, like he really hasn't performed that well. Um, Will Fuller was on track to be a really great receiver last year in fantasy. He just couldn't stay healthy. If he stays healthy, I'm going to trust him more. Um, yeah, I, I would. I, I, just to be different, I'm going to go with Brandon Cooks. He's lower on the ADP, so I think that he has a little bit more room to, you know, obviously have better value. Um, I, I think that he's solid. Solid. Um, I think that, he, you know, as, as long as – if Deshaun Watson can can sling the ball, I think that he'll at, at least compete and get, give – what, uh, Eric, you have you have him, right? I have Cooks. I have yeah. him uh, two years ago. The year he actually did pretty well with the Rams. Um, he did well for me. I yeah. was a better team than I was last year. So, I know you had him last year, and he didn't do dick for you. But this year, he's going to turn around. He's yeah. going to turn, turn around. I think we, I think we'll see a turnaround, and it'll be a good value. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. We finished all the divisions. Thank you for listening. I'm so happy we're done. Yeah, we did it. We went through every single division NFL. James, great job on all those divisions. Yes. Lots, uh, lo- lo- lots of good info, both on uh, teams and fantasy. So, good luck to everyone with their fantasy season. Um, And when we come back, uh, 
Eric is going to tell us all about the world-famous Beer Mile. Stick around. All right, everybody. Welcome back to our final segment of this of this episode. Uh, Eric is going to take us through the amazing event, the Beer Mile. Eric, what do you got on this? <sighs> All right, guys. Uh, the Beer Mile in a nutshell. Let me explain it first. Uh, each competitor drinks four beers and runs four laps, ideally on a track. The beer is consumed before each lap within a 10-meter zone before the start and finish line. Rules of the beer, it must be 12 ounces, either canned or bottled. No shotgunning the beer. You, dr- you just got to drink it straight up like a man or a woman. Beer must be a minimum of 5% alcohol. Must be fermented and brewed from malted cereal grains flavored with hops. In other words, straight in, this is not a seltzer. This is a beer that <laughs> fucking real people drink. Uh, the beer can only be opened by the competitor entering the transition zone on each lap. Strongly recommended to tip the beer over your head when you're each time you finish, finish it to show that you've actually finished the beer. No Mike Brown style yakking mid sip when you're drinking the beer. Uh, (laughs) And speaking of vomiting, it requires one extra penalty lap. If you do that. So Tyler, you'd probably be running five laps. I could see that happening. Um, so some interesting facts and records. The male, male record in the world is held by Corey Belmore at four minutes and 33 seconds. Holy fuck. He's Canadian, Traden. Uh, <laughs> the female record is held by Ann O'Mara at six minutes and eight seconds. Also, holy fuck, but she's American. Uh, both records I could probably never do, even without a beer. That's just fucking... They must be runners, um, but searching through their website, I they showed all their beers that are at 5% or under. The Sierra Nevada Pale Ale record is held by Swiss-born Daniel Vestergaard, 5 minutes and 41 seconds for Sierra Nevada Pale Ales. Uh, my choice would be a Kona Big Wave if I did it, but the American-born Lon Lon Breitenbach <laughs> has the record for that, 6 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, some other interesting beer records, the left-hand nitro milk stout held by American-born Jordan Bundy Librand, six minutes and 55 seconds, drinking four stouts. The Firestone double barrel ale record held by American-born Bundy Juicy Coo-H. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real person. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the record is 21 minutes and 30 seconds. Seems to be more of like a Tyler style time when, <laughs> when it comes to running a mile. Uh, <laughs> Alex, I'm going to go to you first. Um, what beer would you choose and why? And then you also just mentioned some crazy info before that. Yeah. So uh, right before this, I was getting uh, beers with a buddy of mine uh, who is a brewer and our other buddy, who's been in a fantasy football league with his high school friends for like 10 years was actually competing in a beer mile. And was like, Hey, do you guys want to come watch me do? And we're like, no, why would we want to do that? We're eating tacos and drinking beer. Like, fuck you. Uh, but he, so he was competing to do the beer mile um, for his fantasy football draft positioning. Uh, I believe he said he was doing Corona lights. So 
I'm not sure all of that whole 5% rule. Uh, for me, uh, the D DBA is a good choice, that double barrel ale from Firestone. Um, literally any hoppy pilsner or a lager, if you are getting that 5% is what I would go for. Um, you got to go light as beer as possible. If you're going for some big double IPA or something like you're trying to chug four torpedoes during a, <laughs> during a, during a beer mile, you're going to yak. There's a 1 million percent chance you're going to yak. So uh, my advice from someone that drinks a lot of beer, go with the, if you have to do that 5% threshold, the lightest lager or pilsner that you can find. Yeah. They did have the Firestone Pivo pills on there. Yeah, uh, I was going to look that record up, but the double barrel ale just seemed a little bit more intense. Yeah, I would, probably, just, I would do Pivo. Yeah, you just sparked my, uh, my interest. I wonder if we should uh, place a wager. Whoever is dead last in fantasy has to do a tor torpedo beer mile. <laughs> oh, shit. I think that's a wonderful idea. I love I'm down. It might be Tyler with all his, all his down, guys, Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, mm. Deshaun Watson, all these guys that are going down the drain this year. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, James. I will come down when when time yeah, is out. That might be the down. reason. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got Yeah, that'd be so great. Uh, James, if this were to become an actual pro sport, what things would you add in? Like, would you add in like a defense or like you know you get you get hip checked around like each corner or what? You know, <laughs> what's in your mind? Um. Uh, yeah. Let's no. <laughs> That's um. I want to make each lap more competitive. So what I think I would add is that um, if you're not first, you take shots after each lap along with your beer. <laughs> so if you're in like oh you come in second God. place per shot or per lap, then you have to take one more shot, right? If you're in fourth place, then you take three shots for that one lap. So if you're if you're like the counter runner that goes slow and steady, wins the race, you're fucked. Go faster. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh my god. Oh fuck. That that's a great point. That sounds like something you would say. I feel like you always try to tell me to take a shot. Um, <laughs> that's like going with you though, so it's cool. Yeah. Traden, uh yeah. I know you only drink seltzer and you don't drink beer anymore. So I think you would yak. And if if you do yak, which lap would it be and why? Bitch, come on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not yakking, dude. Um no, I could hold my own. I'd be running circles around you. You'd be one taking the shots, let me tell you. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't not, don't drink beer, but I just prefer seltzers right now. I'm in that little phase, but, um, going back to Alex's point, the Corona light does is disqualified from, from regulation. So, um, can't drink that. I mean, but, yeah, not, I, what regulation is bullshit. This is literally just people <laughs> going, fuck it. I'm just going to drink no, some beer and go run around. The website, dude. The website um, has like all these records and videos and all this shit. They're trying to treat it seriously, but that, that's, that's said i agree with you alex he did i gotta do something light i love pilsners anyway so that kind of goes right up my alley um i'm not puking dude i don't know what you're talking about you gotta do you gotta do a can though i forgot to mention that if you're trying to chug yeah. and get it done with if you're doing a bottle you're wrong yeah like you're just yeah. wrong. you gotta Unless do you a, have can. a straw can't no a you straw. can't have a straw if That's you drink straw. okay oh, if you drink bummer. if you're james this is what's gonna happen when you get last place and you're drinking the beer out of a bottle out of a straw i'm Torpedo. also gonna slap your belly as hard as you can right as you start <laughs> you break your hand man if you're drinking beer out of a straw that's ridiculous <laughs> you, 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 have you seen you that thing where you like yeah. flip it no it's yeah, the flip straw it and make it go no, I don't care. it's no it's the dude from the nelk boys that drinks like 17 coronas in a minute he's a monster anyways uh Tyler, 
Would you be more embarrassed if you yacked on the first lap or finished with a 20-minute mile, which are both possible for you? Oh, my God. Um, I think there is a 0% chance I finish with a 20-minute mile. Um, so, for me, that would be more, way more embarrassing. Way more embarrassing if it was 20 minutes. I mean, throughout my life, I mean, I'm pretty, I've run a mile under eight minutes, sometimes under seven in my prime. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not the fastest sugar in the world, though. So that would be the one thing that would concern me. Um, so that would be the hard part. But I, I would be pretty sure I could finish under 10. So yeah. I, for, for me, for me, um, yeah, it, that'd be way more embarrassing if it was 20 minutes, 100%. Yeah. But if I you mean, puke, you have to do another lap. So that adds to the time, right? Yeah, but it's still, yeah. I'll, I'll run a mile and a quarter and it'll be under 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no matter how many times you puke, it's only one extra lap. Uh, we yeah. can maybe change that with ours, you know, when you got to drink four torpedoes out of a bottle. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully. Get slapped I, think you have to, I think you're going to have to wear like an outfit too. Like it's got to yeah. be like a, like a onesie. I do. Like uh, I do still have my uh, penguin costume from those all those years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're doing somewhere, it somewhere in my. Uh, if well, Traden loses fantasy, he'll have to wear a Kachuk jersey. He'll have to wear a full hockey uniform with like band <laughs> shoes. You have to run you know with skates on. Absolutely, absolutely, I'll do that. He's got to run with nice skates on the on the Chapman track. <laughs> Absolutely, you'll um, do that. Just carve out the track, <laughs> the ice skates. <laughs> yeah, well, um, that's all I got, guys. But uh, I'm glad we came up with that. Um, we'll have to let the fantasy group know whoever gets last. It could be Mike Brown, for all we know. Um, mm -hmm. Number one fan of the podcast. But, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening this week. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I would love to do, the, to do that beer mile one day. I'd love to see how we all compare. James, 100%, you're going to beat the shit out of the rest of us. but. For the other four of us, I'd be interested in who comes second because to me it's pretty close. I would think. I don't know. Um, Traden, I've never seen you run, so I don't. I don't know how good of a runner you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, dude. I just crawls. I've seen you skate on ice, and you're a beautiful athlete on the ice. But in terms of uh, actually running around on a track, I have no idea how you would fare. So it's like a be, fish out of water. I'd be, I'd be very curious to to see that. Um, I think right. only James has seen me run. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys. That's going to conclude our episode. Thanks for listening. Um, for all of us, for all of you guys listening, please rate, comment, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, check us out on YouTube. We got our, our, our videos up there. Um, let us know if there's any topics you guys want us to discuss that we haven't so far. I know we kind of, you know, stay with our own sports, but soon there's going to be a lack of sports soon. So we're going to need some topics and other things to talk about so if you um, are interested in a certain topic and you want us to look into it and discuss it let us know um, other than that thanks for listening and have a fantastic night.